Hello and welcome to the Family History Show here on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Clive Glover and as usual I also welcome Anna here. Hello Anna. Hi Clive. So today we're going to talk about another aspect of family history and how you put your family history together. And it's a really interesting one, I think. Um, And it's about this thing called, I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly, deoxyribonucleic acid. Oh, you did a very good job there. I think I did. Anyway, better known as DNA. So now you probably have heard of DNA. Do you know, what do you think it is? Well... I know that it has, so I think there are chromosomes within DNA. I remember learning, I think there's 23, is it 23 pairs, not individual? That's correct, yes. 23 pairs of chromosomes. Um, It's like the coding that that decides what colour eyes you have, what colour hair you have, what face shape you have. Like, it basically makes up who you are kind of thing. (laughs) That's a pretty good good go there. I mean, basically, everybody has DNA, uh, something like 99% or 99.9 even percent, actually, of um, the DNA in us humans is the same. So, you know, my DNA and yours will be 99 point something percent the same. I'm so surprised by that. I think that's crazy. Yeah, but it's just that little 1%, which is still actually hundreds of thousands or millions of of little um, bits of uh, genes is the bit that's different or makes Mm. us all different and everybody is unique you know literally even um, like I'm interested in those um, sort of twins and even um, identical twins still have some minute differences Um, Mm. so that's that's really interesting and also (laughs) the statistic I like is that we're only 1.23 percent different to chimpanzees I know you I can't I actually can't really believe that (laughs) I know that we. I know that out of mo- all of the animals, we're most related to chimpanzees, but I didn't realise it was that close. Yeah, well, again, but that one point two three percent is hundreds and hundreds of thousands of um, different uh, genes, as I understand it. Right. Anyway, so what happens is you basically inherit fifty um, percent of DNA from each of your parents, and they've inherited fifty percent from their parents, and so on. Yes. Um, so that ought to be quite clear. But if you have um, a sibling, like you do and I do, um, you compare them, and um, you're actually have you know obviously a lot of dna the same but it isn't 50 percent. it's probably something between 20 and 30 percent okay. so you've taken 50 percent from each parent but you haven't taken the same 50 percent yeah which yeah. Is, is interesting stuff and what's really fascinating is that all the cells in your body which is i don't know millions if not hundreds of millions mm. every single one of them has your dna encoded in it somewhere yes each individual cell is just amazing i know then like if you th- I think someone said to me, if you get your DNA and like you string it all out together or something like that, like there's these statistics where it would like map the whole length of something like, I don't know, but have you heard what I'm, what I'm talking about? I think, yeah, it's not quite going around the world once yeah, or twice, I was but it's that. something like that. Yes. Anyway, so it's, it's fascinating stuff. And basically... Um, DNA was discovered in the structure of it back in the 1940s, um, which was very exciting and so on. And the people involved got Nobel Prizes and so on. But they didn't really manage to do very much about it because they didn't have the technology we have today. And back at the beginning of this century, literally in 2003, there was a project called the Genome, uh, 
the Human Genome Project, yes, yeah. which had been going on for some years beforehand. But in 2003, they finally cracked it. They managed to sequence the entire genetic um, map of a particular individual who, funnily enough, was the chairman of the company that was <laughs> running the project. Yeah. Um, but um, that, that cost $3,000 million by the time they got there to do the first ever genetic sequencing of a human, which was fascinating stuff. And it was, it was, you know, front page headline news for yeah, some yeah. weeks about that. Um, but now, I mean, 20 years nearly later, um, you can basically send off a little sample of your saliva to various companies and they will send you back or, or put on a website for you um, your complete gen- gene sequence, which is a fascinating thought. Mm. So uh, I did that and I did some of my um, relatives, including my sister and my, a few of my cousins all did this um, several years ago. And we found out all sorts of interesting things from that. And uh, these companies are doing that. Obviously, they've, they've got hundreds of thousands, if probably millions of people have done that now, mm. which comes to make some interesting things for tracking down relatives. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. So I'll just give you some idea about what they do. I mean, basically, you give a sample, send it, post it off, and it, it comes back later and they put it on, you know, they tell you, they put it on a website. And obviously it's secure on the website. You've got to log in and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and they give you this sequence, which I mean, I don't really understand it. There's 23 different bits and all the rest of it. Um, but it's obviously something which is then, they're able to compare it between all the other people who've um, given them samples. And that's where it really comes out into a very interesting thing. Um, so for example, they will tell you what your sort of ethnic makeup is, um, if that's the way to express it so that, you know, you find out, you, you'll obviously know that your parents are British, but you don't know whether their great grandparents or their great, great grandparents were French or German or something else. Mm. But this will, this will tend to show you because it will say, oh, you are, you know, 43.6% English or British anyway. Um, and, um, then, you know, you've got this sort of Dutch element or a French yeah. element or a Spanish or something. Um, and you'll say, oh, that's interesting. Why have I got, you know, 10% Spanish in me? Where's that come from? I think once you start hearing about, oh, I've got this, a percentage from this country, um, I want to know if I'm related to anyone in that country. Do I have any relatives in that country? Like you start to have all these questions. It's quite exciting. Yeah, well, the thing is that um, it's really... Um, Obviously, one thing you can do immediately is compare it with your known family tree that you've already compiled. Yes. So if everyone says to you, oh, yes, old great-grandgrad so-and-so, he came from, you know, Germany or something, then you can say, oh, right, well, then there ought to be a little percentage showing that um, from Germany. Thinking about it, though, it's 50% and 50% and 50%. So you go back um, a few generations, by which time you're only talking about one or even less than 1% would come Mm. from a particular individual. So, um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect to see that for anybody going back too far. But obviously for the immediate families and your your grandparents, great-grandparents, maybe great-great-grandparents, you'll probably have got somebody who's told you something about them and, and whether they, if they were Spanish or something, then you'd know that. Um, obviously, the surprise is when you get something which you don't really expect in terms of saying you've got a, a um, you know, a, you are 
percentage of uh, a different country. You think, well, where does that come from? I don't yeah, know anybody yeah. in my family who's come from, you know, China, <laughs> whatever mm, it yeah. is. <laughs> um, so that's one element. Um, but what the companies do, which is really interesting, is by comparing your information with everybody else's, obviously not openly, they, they do it sort of in the background. They come across little bits of DNA, which you've got and somebody else has got. And then they they email both of you saying, oh, we think you might be relatives. And, you know, so-and-so has got 3.2% of, of the same DNA as you. And that's where it gets very interesting. Yeah, that's thing is, that's amazing because then, like, you can just, there's so many ways that you can decide to, like, move forward with that information. Like, you could just ignore it, not wanting to get in contact. You could get in contact with the person you could you know there's loads of different things you could do well obviously the websites the various companies do um allow you to contact other people um and them to contact you about this sort of thing and some people do and i've sort of sent off emails to various people and some of them replied and some haven't which is fine Mm. um and just sort of pin things down and it's quite interesting i mean i have had some people have contacted me and um we've actually sort of had quite a conversation between us. We've worked out who it is that we're all both descended from and all the rest of it. And they've told me lots of stories about where they are and who they are. And and of course, um, from this country, lots of people emigrated around the world. So it's not terribly surprising. I've found relatives in um, Canada, Australia and New Zealand, for example, which is not surprising. Um, But I'm more surprised when I've got them from Sweden and Denmark and things Mm. like that. And I really haven't actually got to the bottom of where they've come from. You know, yeah. why? why? Um, some people yeah. will romantically assume it must be some Viking warriors in our family or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's too far ago because realistically, this can only go back about 250, 300 years maybe because beyond that, if you work it out quickly on 50%, 50%, um, it will be, you know, a minute fraction of 1% would be I was going to say, like, you do have to be careful because there might be some people who you say, oh, I'm related to them. But it might just be a tiny, by a tiny percent. And I just think sometimes it's a bit like, oh, am I actually that really related to them if it's only that much of a small percent? Well, when when you get the emails, they do give a percentage and they make an estimate of who it is. Um, Many of mine come back and saying they're a fourth cousin. Right, okay. Um, which is very complicated, um, but it means it's um, you're related to someone sort of four generations away. So it would be, say, yeah. a, a, your great, great, great grandmother or something like that, mm. um, who, you know, is <laughs> so they're not really cousins. Fourth cousins is rather distant, but, you know, it's interesting. Um, also, the other little interesting thing is that um, everybody in Europe or born in Europe and so on has tends to have some element of DNA coming from the Neanderthals who were the previous um, inhabitants of Europe and yes. were a different species of humans, which is an interesting thing to try and get your head round. Um, obviously they've all died out um, about 10,000 years ago. And originally people thought that they were basically being killed off by um, our, our species when we arrived in Europe. Um, but obviously, as most people do seem to have some element of DNA, they must have been more friendly than perhaps we thought. <laughs> yeah, that's that's ridiculous, isn't it, to think that... Would you... So, so 
a caveman would that be a Neanderthal? Well, I think that's a simplistic way of doing it. Yes, I mean, they lived in caves largely, but they, they certainly weren't sort of, um, I think the image of them has been really sort of, you know, ignorant and sort of yeah, brutish yeah, yeah. and all the rest of it. Um, but, you know, we found lots of art they produced and things like that. So it's obviously they were much more sort of sophisticated and, and civilised perhaps than um, we really thought. Yeah, very true. Uh, I fall into the trap of, because I don't really know much about that area, but um, I was just wondering if, yeah, cavemen in brackets actually like come from the same time period as neanderthals but yeah. well they the um the i think the, the sort of most recent um skeletons and things they found of neanderthals were in a place in which was actually a cave in gibraltar and that seems to be one of the last places where they lived before they all died out wow um so um, anyway so that that's the thing now you might be interested, of course, in perhaps sending off a sample one day to get your DNA. Mm. And I wouldn't discourage you, but I would just mention one little thing which I think concerns me slightly about this. For young people like yourselves, um, when you get your results, one of the things they do, and it's not very sort of scientific, but it sort of looks good, is they'll make some predictions on the basis of your genetic um, makeup. And they'll say things like you'll be, you know, 60% likely to have curly hair or maybe that you've got blue eyes or something like that. But equally, they will sort of give you a health warnings and they'll say, well, you know, you might be more inclined to get this disease or that. Uh, that sort of um you know health issue in future mm, yeah, yeah um now obviously those are very much based on just the sort of computer estimation based on your particular genes um and i don't think you need to take them too seriously but unfortunately these days if you're getting something like a health insurance you know a life insurance they will ask you to disclose all everything you know and if you said well actually you know there's been a prediction that i might get xyz disease in future yeah. and that might go against you and if you don't tell them of course and then you get that disease and try and make a claim <laughs> they presumably will say oh no you didn't tell us that so we won't pay i, I know someone who's been in a situation where like they have had the choice of whether to it's a hard decision whether to because also say if like someone in your family was ill you um it's a difficult decision to, if it's a genetic disease potentially that's that's a whole kind of worms it's really difficult to decide whether you want to be tested for it or have your dna tested or not like i think it's really difficult yeah anyway so um i think that's about all we can do to this time on this program so we'll have to um pack up on that now but very interesting stuff dna is a fascinating thing and it's an extra tool you can use um on your sort of search for your family history and i i think it's um, a fascinating thing to do learn about so anyway, thanks anna um we'll um come back in the next episode talking about something else to do with family history so you've been listening to the family history show here on radio verulam 92.6 fm and my name is clive glover and i have anna loft as my um regular guest here on the show and uh, we'll if you want to listen to our previous shows they will be available on uh, as podcasts and if you want to listen again same time next week thank you bye Hello and welcome to the Family History Show here on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Clive Glover and I'm joined as usual by Anna, who is going to, to help me talk about family history issues. <laughs> now, over the last few um, programmes, we've talked about all sorts of aspects of this. Um, and so I'm going to 
look at the end of the process, in fact, where you've got lots of information. Maybe you've drawn up a family tree, you found some old photos, you've got some letters from your great grandmother or something like that. And you want to really put it all together in some form which you could show to other people in your family. So how are you going to do this? Um, I wonder what you think, Anna, what's the best way perhaps of presenting this? Well, it is difficult because I think there are many different ways that you could approach this. I think depending on your age, you're more likely to go for certain options. But I think one of the best things to do would be like a photo album slash like booklet where you, you they're so easy to buy. You could literally go to Paper Chase, you could go to anywhere um, that sells like stationery. Get one of those. You could put your photos in there. You could put um, stories that you've had um, passed down to you. You could write them up. You could write quotes in there. You could stick letters in. You could do, I think it just, it's nice because it's something that you can physically get out, show people. You can also hand it down to generations. Um, I just think that's, a video might be a cool thing as well because then it's more likely, I think, I personally think that's more likely to be preserved, but you could also argue it could easily get deleted. Um but I know that you, Clive, you could talk about this a bit more maybe, but private website could also be a really, really good way of doing things. What what would you say is the best way, Clive? Well, I think that um, certainly a photo album, I mean, you can these days you can get sort of digital photo albums in the sense that they, they print them off, but it yeah, makes it look, yeah. look like a, a photo book. And so obviously you can put photos and your writing bits all in it and make it into, well, effectively a book. Yeah, um, that's certainly something which will last quite well. Um, you can do, uh, I suppose, a video, and you can obviously save it into a, a DVD or something like that as well. Um, or you can do your own version of, you know, who do you think you are? Maybe if, yeah. you're, if you're really sort of um, stretching it a bit. Yeah, if you're pushing the boat out with it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the website. I, I created a private website which I share with a couple of my relatives, um, including my daughter and uh, one of my other. Uh, cousins um, and we've basically put together a lot of information we, we've collected over some years and um, obviously it's um, got quite a lot of, with a website you can link things together in a way which obviously is like a sort of database so you can go down a family tree click on a particular uh, individual and come up with a whole page or two about their life and all sorts of other things about them with other links then to their own parents their their children and all that sort of stuff so that, that really works out as quite an easy way of um, sort of looking through and understanding the information that's been collected definitely I I think that's a really good idea actually and I'm definitely warming towards it because I think it's nice that you click on a link and then you move on to the next bit of information because it kind of follows the family tree across and in, in the different directions that it goes in um, and also it's a bit more of an experience for the use, user and it's all quite clear set out it's all in one place like I think that could be actually a really good idea I, and it's not something that I really would have thought of doing like I would have thought of doing a photo album or maybe like a scrapbook kind of thing but I wouldn't have thought of a private website but I think that actually could be one of the best ways to go about it. Well, and obviously what you can do is you can share that website with anybody you want to. And so you can share it with as many relatives as you like and they've all got yeah. access to it and they, they can all share the information you've found and, and put some more things on it that they've found perhaps, that sort of thing. Exactly, um, yes. It's also one of those things that's sort of infinite though. I imagine we could go on for years adding st more and more stuff to it till it's enormous. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's the thing though with a, with a private website is that um, or something that's digital and online, you 
can add to it, keep on adding to it, keep on adding to it, keep on editing it when you find out more information, where you find a new DNA match, blah, blah, blah. You can add all of this stuff to it. But with an in-person paper coffee, you're going to run out of room. Like, you might have to go back and edit something. It might be a bit tricky. So I do think that has its upsides. Yeah, I mean, a few years ago, people used things called CD-ROMs. Yeah. I don't really know, don't know if they really exist anymore. But, I mean, they were basically a similar way. You could have a, a sort of um, a database-type um, information system, but keep it on a CD. Um, and CDs aren't very popular these days, of course, anyway. But, I mean, that, that's just a, a sort of intermediate way before you get to things like websites. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, have you found out anything interesting through your journey of discovering your family history? Well, I think that there are a few interesting things that I've discovered, and um, I imagine that any family will probably find something similar. I don't think my family is particularly exceptionally strange or uh, interesting, but um, mm. I'll give you a couple of examples. I think in an earlier program, I did mention that I had a relative who basically escaped this country and um, emigrated to Australia, leaving his wife and child in England and then marrying somebody else and having some children in Australia as well. And you could get away with that in his time because obviously the records weren't shared between Australia and England and so on. So he was a bigamist, but nobody knew. Yeah. Um, That's quite, that is an interesting story, I think. He sounds like a character. Well, he's also the one who I think I also mentioned um, started a national uh, maritime strike in Australia. And we found newspaper stories with him in it as being the sort of ringleader of this um, national strike in Australia. Uh, so he, he was, as you say, quite a character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And someone who had a lot of influence maybe in his time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's also someone who um, was a soldier in the World War One. Mm. And he stole a statue from a cathedral in France as no a souvenir. Way. And he brought it back with him. And his uh, family then reckoned they had lots of bad luck and attributed it to this. And um, they tried to return it to the cathedral. Um, and I don't think that, I'm not sure what happened to it, but I did actually once visit that cathedral and took a good look where um, we think it came from. And obviously there wasn't anything missing, so presumably it had been restored, but whether it, I don't think it actually returned the, the particular bit he took with it. How big was this statue? It was a little thing about, I suppose, eight or nine inches tall. Right. I am, um, because this has made me think about what I found out, because I feel as though I've maybe not done as much research, but when I was interviewing my grandparents, my, my two granddads, um, about their childhood, I found out a lot of interesting things about how like houses were bombed right down the street opposite my granddad on my dad's side, um, how my granddad was um, saw like their pilots of a um, like a, a World War like aircraft. I just there was a lot of unique little stories that I I never think is I feel as though you don't really come onto these conversations unless you go in with the intent of discovering about your family history so I never would have just had these conversations come up out of the blue I don't know if you found that like you only really find this thing out if you have the aim to do it well yes and also I think a lot of these things people keep to themselves and it's only many years later when someone's asking that they would actually sort of draw back on their memory and, and actually tell you stuff. And maybe they, they wouldn't have told before. Um, some people are obviously very um, 
it's very traumatic some of the things they've been involved in and they want to keep it out of their sort of memory as it were yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. you can trigger that and they can come out and start talking about some of these things yes definitely it's, it's certainly that and, and obviously the, the second world war was a particularly um, something which affected everybody because it was happening in in our own towns and villages mm. Mm. yeah 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 uh, one one's very interesting, which was um, one of my uncles, um, not actually related directly to me, because he, he married my aunt, who was my my mother's sister, um, and we found out uh, on a tree that he was. It kept coming up with the Plantagenet family he was connected to, and it took me a little what while. What is that? To, never... it took me a little while to suddenly realise that the Plantagenets were in fact the um, basically the Duke of York the royal family at the time wow. and so he was directly related to king richard the third no way that's crazy yeah um you know and obviously richard the third you might know from your shakespeare um, yeah, yeah and who was found buried under a car park in leicester a few years ago which in that amazing story when they went searching for his body yes i am um, that actually came up in one of my history lessons <laughs> um about richard richard the third but also um i know you mentioned I think this is your idea, Clive, but um, another way for listeners to um, plot their family history would be to present, I think this is your idea, but to present a, um, a your findings against a timeline of world history so that you can see on what periods um, and events and historical occurrences your um, ancestor was living in the time of. Um, and that's part of it but yeah I don't know if you want to expand on that because I know it was your idea I think, I think that's right well again you see I found out one of my ancestors um, was born in London but she mm. um, born to parents who basically had travelled across from Germany uh, a few years before and I thought that was quite interesting and I looked up the history actually you know Wikipedia or something like that um, and found out the particular period when they left there was actually a, a lot of civil unrest in the place they lived in in Germany Right. And um, and thousands of people emigrated because of that. Um, and in particular, there was um, a lot of um, attacks on Jewish people. And uh, I don't know if they were Jewish or not, um, but one of my DNA readings did suggest I had a small, very small percentage of Jewish DNA. And so it's, it struck me that maybe that was the answer to that. Now, I never quite got to the bottom of this, but, but it was one of those sort of things that seemed very interesting. But I did relate it that they obviously left because of all the trouble going on mm. where they lived in the time in, in Germany, which was in Hanover. I um, think um, also a a good thing to talk about in this final kind of closing episode would be like why, I don't know, it's quite a big question, but why do we find so much interest in finding out our own family history like why do you think people really enjoy that process well obviously it's interesting to learn about historical figures anyway and, and historical incidents um, but I mean when you are finding that it's actually your great 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 grandmother or something who was involved in something it makes it much more real and obviously mm. you, you you can put yourself into their place and think gosh if I'd lived in that place when the plague was going through the city, how would I feel or whatever? Perhaps we've yeah. got a good idea now after our recent history here. But, I mean, um, things like that, you, you, you can see that you know, they travel to a particular place and you say, wow, you know, they went to this place and what was it like at that time? Um, and all these things just bring it back as, you know, they're not just sort of little names on a gravestone. They are real people and they had a whole life. And, you know, that's the thing what you're learning about. 
Definitely. And I think as well, doing this whole process would really help you connect with your family members and just find out so much more information and um, understand a bit more about your own kind of coming and your own being and your own history and what everyone has done before you. And I think you can, through the context and the kind of telescope of finding out about your own family, it kind of leads, like with what you were saying about them, your family who migrated from Germany, emigrated from Germany, like you, you found out about a whole event in history that you never would have known about otherwise. So it kind of, the it just leads you to lots of opening doors. And um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really rewarding, but not something people of my age would necessarily do. I think it's something that you do when you're older, but I think we should encourage younger people to connect with their grandparents in this way. Exactly the point. I think the thing that really um, I remember years ago seeing something which made me sort of think about this quite a lot, and it was a photo of one of my aunts um, who, when she was about, I don't know, 19 or 20, and she looked exactly like my sister, who at that time was about the same age. And it was uncanny. You know, she was absolutely spitting image, I think is the right phrase. Yeah. And it, it struck me then, wow, this is amazing. And there are people who tell you that often um, the, the sort of genetic appearance things jump, jump a, a generation. So, you know, you're more like your grandmother, perhaps, than your, uh, your mother in some ways, that mm. sort of thing. We definitely have that in my family. Like, I'm quite... I always think I look quite similar to my grandma in some ways, but then not as much maybe. To, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So, okay, well, look, we've reached the end of this. We've reached the end of the series. So thank you very much for listening, and um, I hope you enjoyed the programmes. We probably will be back with a new series later in the year because we've got lots of ideas for the other programmes. And so I uh, hope you'll join us then. Um, thank you for listening and thank you for listening to the previous programs. And again, they're all going to be available as podcasts on Radio Verulam's website, which is um, www.radioverulam.com. So you can go back and listen to all six programs for this series. And uh, thank you again for listening. And thank you, Anna, for helping. No, thank you. I really enjoyed this process and I hope all everyone listening um, has really enjoyed following kind of our own explanation of discovering your family history. And I hope it's inspired some people to start their own journey. That's right. And then perhaps we'll find out about some of the people who have followed up on what we've been saying and, and where they've got to. We'll see if we can find some people to talk to. OK, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Anyway, goodbye.